Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, October 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, we're going to take you to the New York Stock Exchange to meet some of the people who run the place and talk about why humans still work on the trading floor. But first, we'll tell you about Facebook's new name. And speaking of new names, what is Floki Inu? So some enterprising young souls have created a crypto coin called Floki Inu, purely on the back of the fact that there is a puppy called Floki. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Facebook is changing its name. The social media company will now be known as Meta. Facebook's chief executive Mark Zuckerberg said that the name Facebook doesn't encompass everything the company does. Here's the FT's Hannah Murphy. This reflects a company's push to build uh, what's known as the metaverse, which is the idea of a sort of virtual shared world where we can interact as avatars. So um, we'll all have our own avatar that represents ourselves. And in this world, we'll go, we'll interact, socialize. We may work, buy things. You can go to concerts. This builds on something that's been around for a while. We have gaming companies exploring these sorts of spaces. But Facebook is setting out to be the metaverse company. It's actually part of a bit of a bigger battle with other companies in Silicon Valley, such as Uh, Google and Apple, who are also trying to build augmented reality, the idea that we'll all walk around wearing smart glasses. And so Zuckerberg's really strongly positioning Facebook to be a a winner in in this future operating system world. Hannah Murphy is the FT's tech reporter. Okay, so bond investors are anticipating that central banks will raise rates to fight inflation, which, you know, will slow economies. So they've been selling off shorter-term government debt. This week, two- and three-year U.S. Treasuries fell in price, and their yields rose to their highest point since March of 2020. The Federal Reserve has been relatively open about what it might do with rates, but the European Central Bank, which met yesterday, is a bit slower in signaling its plans. Katie Martin is with me to talk about this. She's our markets editor. Hi, Katie. Hey, hi, Dang. Doing well. Katie, there seems to be this kind of dance between the ECB and investors. You know, what's going on here? Yeah, the European Central Bank is one that the market is having a particularly difficult time reading at the moment. At its latest meeting, it said it will keep its bond buying program basically running still at a high pace, even though inflation is is kicking up. It does intend to trim these asset purchase programs. But what has happened is that the bond market has kind of got slightly ahead of things and it started to bet that the European Central Bank might start to raise rates relatively quickly. ECB President Christine Lagarde was saying, you know, it's effectively not really my job to tell you whether the market is right or wrong or to to guide the market. You know, my, my job is to be ECB president. And so that has just set off a whole new set of volatility that's really taken people by surprise. So Katie, moving from central banks to something completely different and really decentralized. Let's talk about Floki Inu and this crazy advertising campaign going on in London's underground. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really know what Floki Inu is. Can can you walk me through it? So Elon Musk got a puppy. So some enterprising young souls have created a crypto coin called Floki Inu. 
purely on the back of the fact that there is a puppy called Floki. And uh, the reason we're writing about this now is that all of a sudden, a huge rash of adverts for Floki have sprung up on the on London's transport network. So, you know, you, you get on the tube, you get on a bus, wherever you go, there are lots of adverts kicking around saying, Miss Doge, get Floki. And one of the things that's interesting about this Floki initiative is that anyone who buys Floki, the promoters impose a 4% levy that goes into helping to promote more people to buy Floki. So it's about getting influencers on board and it's about keeping up this marketing campaign and keep new money coming in. And the way the adverts are presented and, you know, some of the kind of buzz around it is pretty alien to the normally very staid and sensible industry around advertising financial products. But there appears to be nothing to stop Floki from putting these ads on the tube. It's not something that's revenue generating. It's not like buying a stock. It's difficult to figure out who's actually running it. All the people who are involved seem to use seem to use aliases rather than their own names. So it does raise some pretty interesting questions around consumer protection and around what kind of ads regulators might decide that they're comfortable with. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thanks, Katie. No problem. So we're at the end of the trading week. And for a lot of people, the trading week evokes images of people buying and selling stocks on a busy trading floor. But in reality, almost all exchanges in the world today are electronic. The New York Stock Exchange is one of the last that still has open outcry, human traders, and what are called designated market makers. But they're not just a relic. Humans do add value. And oddly enough, the pandemic created an opportunity to measure how much value humans add. So right now, we're going to go to the New York Stock Exchange, or the Big Board, as it's called, for an audio journey reported and produced by the FT's Aluakemi Awadasui. Well, we're in the greatest building in the world, but obviously I'm biased being here for 29 years. My name is Jay Woods. I work at the New York Stock Exchange for Drive Wealth. This used to be the loudest place in the world, very vocal, filled with three to 5,000 people running around like maniacs between the bells at 9.30 and 4 o'clock every single day. I'm Michael McKenzie. I'm the U.S. investment editor. I've seen the floor change from what was a bustling place to becoming more like a museum. I wrote about Starbucks opening up a branch on the floor, which upset a couple of traders. There are still humans here, just a few hundred, much fewer than before, but they still play a crucial role, and Stacey Cunningham explains why. I'm Stacey Cunningham, president of the New York Stock Exchange. Every stock that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange has a market maker who's responsible for overseeing trading in that stock. There's a human being who's applying human judgment, much like the pilot behind the controls of a plane. That is, the plane can fly itself, but the pilot is actually there looking for periods of of turbulence, reacting, uh, takeoff and landing. Doesn't know market makers looking at where do I quote my opening price for a listed stock? And so everyone's focused on what's happening before the official open at 9.30. In that role, the designated market maker is helping 
facilitate price discovery at the, at the beginning of the session. My name is Phyllis Arena Woods. I'm a trader on the New York Stock Exchange. The bid and offer has to be within a certain percentage, like if it's you know $24 to $24.10. If there's no bids, he has to step in and tighten up that market. He has to. It's a regulatory thing. He has to. It's just not fair. You can't have a wild swing like that. And that's what you see in the stocks like Google, Amazon, it moves like crazy. There's no human intervention. As a trader, you want to know exactly who you're up against and how you have to handle certain orders. We had a motto, our word was our bond. You know, we know stocks trade better on the New York Stock Exchange than other fully electronic exchanges, but we didn't know how much of it comes from the accountability or the human element. From Monday the 23rd, uh, the New York Stock Exchange has decided to close the trading floor. But well, now, the New York Stock Exchange had closed down before, after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, for example. But this time, when it closed its physical doors because of the pandemic, it kept operating, for the first time ever, fully electronically. We saw that it did cost investors money to have the floor closed. There were actually some academic studies that showed the value of the trading floor, which we could never measure before because we had never operated in the market with the trading floor closed. My name is Jonathan Brogard. I am a professor of finance at the University of Utah's David Eccles School of Business. What we document in our paper is that during the floor closure, the liquidity of financial markets decreased. The cost to buy and sell stocks on the NYSE rose from on average about 18 basis points all the way to 27 basis points, so a 50% increase. There was more pricing errors and prices were less reflective of the true underlying value. During times of complex situations, humans and human expertise can be a complement to the machines. This was a test, it was. And the DMM is still very crucial to the point of sale because you have to create a proper liquidity event. That's why the exchange loves the human element here. It's part of their model. I don't believe they'll ever get rid of it. They're saying they're not going to get rid of it. So if humans add value and create a better market for investors, why don't other exchanges have humans? Bottom line, it's expensive. Mike McKenzie says replacing humans with technology is cheaper and can boost productivity. But I think the New York Stock Exchange, I think they'll try to keep the floor as long as it's, it's useful. And at the moment, I think it serves a purpose. When a company wants to list its shares, they've got two choices. They can go to NASDAQ or they go to NYSE. Nice to say, hey, we've got the floor, you know, stand on the balcony, listen to the prices being closed up. You know, it's a branding. It's, it's, it's pure branding. And you can get a nice cup of Starbucks while you're waiting. This audio journey was reported and produced by Alua Kemi Aladasui. It was engineered by Breen Turner, and it was edited by Jess Smith. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Peter Barber, Gavin Coleman, and Michael Bruning. Our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley, and our theme song is by Metaphor Music. 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.